Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Welcome to a new week. And actually this week, and then we head into a holiday weekend, believe it or not. But we are starting to see some higher numbers in our grain complex today. Just all the way across the board. We don't really talk much about oats or rice, but they saw their negativity on the trade. You flip a page to the livestock and there was a lot of negativity, both in the live and the feeder cattle and those lean hogs once again. We're going to find out what's going on in the markets, outside influences inside influences today is Mike Zuzolo joins us. He's with Global Commodity Analytics. And I guess the, the inside influence, Mike, I would say has to be this weather. Yeah, I think the first summer holiday coming in, Susan, and, and thanks for having me back. The first summer holiday coming up this weekend, as you mentioned, it's not unfamiliar uh, or it can oftentimes bring a, a, our first shift towards the weather. And I think we have not just Brazil weather and that second crop corn weather that is uh, very much on the radar, I think, of a lot of the traders these past uh, two weeks or so, and especially as they get ready to pollinate in some very key areas like Mato Grosso and Paraná, which those two provinces, uh, the listener maybe not doesn't realize, just those two provinces by themselves are actually representative for about 50% of all of Brazil's total production. So when we talk about 125 million metric ton or 130 million metric ton corn crop, those two provinces typically have to be at top end yields to be able to reach that level of production. So we have the Brazilian situation that was something that we went home with over the weekend. Now we came back and we had a European weather model shift to a much hotter bias and a much drier bias and and especially drier uh, in some portions of the Corn Belt east of the Mississippi River. There are areas of that uh, Corn Belt too, Susan, that um, really aren't doing that well. In fact, I had talked to the northern uh, a client in the northern half of Indiana, and he had just spoken with his uh, major grain or seed dealer agronomist, and he said, uh, in this several county-wide area that I handle, we may see upwards of 50% replant of corn, and so. The, the general bias, and obviously the, the crop conditions support this, is that we've got a really big crop being grown, and I think the trade's really taken that at heart and too hard and really broken the prices hard. Now I think we're having to come back and readdress some of these issues because the European model turned dry, and then this morning the GFS model turned dry, and then at noontime the GFS model turned as dry as the European model did uh, this past weekend for Illinois, Indiana, parts of Ohio, and a pretty decent chunk of Iowa and Missouri, too. So a pretty big swath of area. So having said that, I mean, looking at the fact that the European model is talking dry on the east side of the Mississippi, for us in, in areas in Nebraska, on the eastern side, western Iowa, I think that might be an okay thing because we need the moisture. We're not getting it. So at least there's a little bit more of a, okay, somebody else is dealing with hot and dry weather, too, right now. Yeah, that, that's a really good point to make because I think Nebraska from, you know, and thanks a lot to the Rural Radio Network for helping me spread the word about the analysis these past many years. You know, I have a good chunk of clients in Nebraska and northern Kansas. Um, and I think what I'm hearing from them is kind of a tale of two cities. You get to the Sand Hills and they've had ample rains. They're ex- actually excited about the pastures again. They feel good about what could happen this summer. But I had a very long conversation uh, via, via text with a client uh, on Sunday 
that was south of York, and uh, he was losing his dry land corn. And uh, he talked to me again this morning, and we talked, and um, he felt as though this is one of those years where a good chunk of uh, the corn, maybe say uh, west of Beatrice, and, and then on uh, and on west towards uh, the southern part of uh, that area by York, uh, could give uh, the dry land a real, real uh, hit. And uh, he's worried, and I think other people in his area are worried that dryland corn could actually be lost uh, after this weekend if the heat comes on too hard and too fast. So his corn was already turning blue, kind of like the wheat in Kansas. And so I do think that there are these trouble spots that we're probably going to have to wait uh, from the uh, from the, the USDA on the crop conditions not just the the conditions themselves, but also emergence. And then we also have another issue still brewing out there, and that's North Dakota in particular, and some producers up there wondering if they will be able to get their corn in because they're expected to get some more rain showers this week, and they too are quickly running out of time. As I say, it definitely is a tale of two cities when it comes to abandonment possibly because a crop isn't growing to the fact that they just couldn't get in the fields at all. That's exactly right. And I think this is where it goes back to you and I talked about, um, you know, a long time ago, talked about the volatility in this market. And I would say at this point in the springtime of 2023, not only has that been correct, but I think there's going to be a violence in the market. And I think today's trade um, to the upside and last week's trade to the downside is proof positive of that. And if you ask me, and I would say one last thing, when I looked at the seven or eight major commodities, corn, beans, soft red, hard red wheat, cattle feeders, and hogs, six of seven of those commodities, Susan, had gaps on their daily continuation charts. Only the soft red wheat didn't. The the corn and beans and, and fat cattle had gaps that are above the current market price, and the, the, uh, the hard red wheat uh, feeder cattle and hogs have gaps below the current market price. So that, that jagged, violent price action is really showing up in the charts, and I don't see any end to it, quite honestly. Real quick here before we uh, head to break, are we going to see above and ahead of schedule when it comes to weekly crop progress this afternoon? Yeah, I think so. And I think the other thing I'll just dovetail along with that is we, we had a tale of two cities with the wheat versus the row crops, and that goes back to those imports that, that uh, Jake and I talked about on midday. And that, that's going to be a tough deal if we keep importing wheat. It's, we need that leader wheat to come back and help us. All right, well, stick around, folks. We've got a lot more coming up as we get ready for the second half of the Fontenelle Final Bell. We'll talk a little bit some export inspections. I actually saw some coming in on the wheat side, some discussions going on there. It's a lot more on the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio network. As you've probably heard, there will be some changes coming for Fontenelle Hybrids. Bear Crop Science has announced Fontenelle will be joining 10 Bear Seed brands to launch the new Enhanced Channel Seed brand. You'll get the same excellent products and service you come to expect from Fontenelle, along with expanded product offerings and increased agronomy support. You'll still be able to purchase your trusted Fontenelle products for 2024, and rest assured we'll work hard to continue to earn your business through this transition. Read and follow pesticide label directions, green marketing, and other stewardship practices. Fontenelle and Channel are trademarks of Bear Group. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Continuing our conversation this afternoon with Mike Zuzlo with Global Commodity Analytics. We spent the whole front half, I think, talking about some very crucial things, and that's dealing with the weather. And and I'm going to loop back around that to the livestock side. But I wanted to talk about the fact that weekly export inspections improved a little bit 
for the wheat. And what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, this is a really tough situation we're in right now because we are taking the prices down to find demand. And we did do that. As you said today, we found a weekly export number, an inspection number of 15 million bushels. That was almost double what it was uh, last week and, uh, and, and almost double of what it was a year ago for the same week, Susan. And I think that, along with the 52 million bushels of export inspections for corn, um, really makes us have to stop and think about the USDA WASDE report all over again. In that, the USDA was not negative demand. In fact, they were very favorable to demand for corn, especially when it came to U.S. corn exports going up this new crop year versus the current marketing year. And, and they weren't negative the wheat market, especially given that major exporters um, will probably be at a seven to 10 year low as far as ending stocks. And so we'll have a lot less competition. But you couldn't you couldn't feel that at all. In fact, it feels the exact opposite, especially with the news that um, maybe six, maybe seven cargoes of uh, Polish and German wheat may be coming into the United States, coming into Florida, coming into New York, uh, coming in at about 60 to $80, by my calculations, cheaper um, than what we could uh, be able to sell domestically to those areas out of either Kansas or the Gulf of Mexico. So just, uh, again, following that same theme of what we talked about in the first section, a real tale of two cities with this wheat contract right now. Switch over to the livestock side. Um, we've gotten some folks that have gotten some much needed rain, both in Nebraska and Kansas. Having said that, pastures are greening up. So I think it may have kept a few heifers from having to go to market. Yes, I think that, but we're also seeing from that cattle on feed report, I was actually surprised Oklahoma didn't show a drop from uh, the, the in the April placements, but we did see quite a bit of a drop in some of these major states like Kansas. Nebraska was down uh, 88% versus their previous month with their placements on Friday's report. I, I think part of that is just the supply side of the equation. Um, also, I think also that we're getting some pastures uh, back at this point. That maybe showed up as we got into the later part of April since those rains came during that time period. But yeah, it's going to be a situation where you're probably going to see the market assume less placements because you're going to see more pasture cattle, more pasture feeders. Um, but the, by the same token, as you say, the females um, will probably start to dry up in terms of going to slaughter. So that I thought was a pretty smart play by the trade today in that along with the marketing's number on Friday's cattle on feed report, they're probably starting to understand that the market ready cattle could be up there or increasing a little bit more this next 30 days. So they went ahead and bought the feeders and sold the fats. And I think they played it pretty straight with the cattle on feed report. So the fact that the markets really didn't talk, and it was an atypical case of BSE coming out of South Carolina, it just ended up kind of feeling like it was a blip on the market radar from Friday. Yeah, I think the market is understanding that the supplies of protein and, and red meat and poultry, for that matter, are so tight, it's going to take something um, abnormally serious, I think, to shake the longs from their positions because they know the supply is on their side. And I think also last week we heard about Brazil having the HPAI, uh, that H5N1 virus, in their bird flock. And I think that, again, tightens up the protein. Maybe it's in, in egg-layered birds, but still, it's still a protein issue. 
And I think that is what the livestock market in particular is feeling at this point is that we're losing supplies. And so diseases that maybe would hurt us normally on adequate supply and adequate levels of herds um, maybe won't hit us as hard. And I think that's something certainly to watch, though, uh, when it comes to, you know, how it develops as is what's going on with Brazil and their HPAI. What about this struggle that just seems to continue to plague the hog market? I, I think that struggle is quickly eroding at this point, Susan. And I say that from a retail standpoint. I mean, I looked at the the Kroger ads and the High V ads going into Memorial Day holiday here and this week's ads. And you've got the two biggest parts, the cuts of meat being ground beef at about two ninety nine to three forty nine a pound in those two stores versus a, a boneless pork loin or t- marinated tenderloin at you know 5.99 a pound i think pork will do very very well this summer and i think along with that the trade i i think they've done a good enough job to force the liquidation in this domestic livestock this domestic hog herd because of the losses and the lack of profitability and i suspect by the way china has been slowing down a bit on their bean purchases from both brazil and the united states they too have probably liquidated some herd as well. So I think we're due for some supply tightening very, very quickly um, as we get towards that quarter, uh, maybe the third quarter and maybe the early fourth quarter. All right, Mike, best way for folks to get a hold of you? Globalcomresearch.com is the best way and uh, sign up for a free trial. All right, that is today's Fontenelle Final Bell being brought to you by Fontenelle Hybrids and all your local dealers on the Rural Radio Network.